This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. When He saves us by grace, He puts us on the narrow road. There aren't a lot of people on that road. Few there be that find it. Not because it's not free to everyone, but because many doubt, many turn away. But once we are on that narrow road leading to eternal life, doesn't mean that there aren't enemies along that road. Now, I'm so thankful that none of God's enemies, none of our enemies can take us off the road. But they will seek to devour us, defeat us. And so as the Lord Jesus concludes his Sermon on the Mount, he addresses that problem. If you'll take your Bibles, and let's turn to Matthew 7. Last week we started into the conclusion of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. We reminded everyone that he ends his message by using four earthly illustrations to show what will happen to those who follow his teaching and then what will happen to those who reject his teaching. Believing on the Lord and what he has said makes a person a citizen of heaven. When we repent of our sin and receive Jesus Christ, we become one of his children. He puts us on that narrow road leading to eternal life. Those who reject him and his teaching, and by the way, many of them then go on to try to influence others. That that's the wrong road. I reject that road. I think you should reject that road too. Reject Christ. They're compared, in the text that we'll see today, to bad trees that produce bad fruit. Now, in his conclusion, Jesus isn't just trying, or I'm sorry, isn't just tying up a few loose ends from a Bible lesson. He isn't a teacher who throws in a few final details before the bell rings and class is dismissed. Every word that he's teaching here is purposeful. And it's meant to drive home all the rest of the message that he has preached. Now to drive the truth home, he uses some pretty graphic imagery to help disciples heed his words and not listen to the false prophets who would contradict him. And we're going to see that some of the imagery he uses, it's going to make you uncomfortable. But he does it to stress the realities of what happens when you listen to false teachers and reject what he has said. So first, Jesus compares false teachers to wolves sneaking in among a flock of sheep. And that picture, if you want to remember two words, that picture is a violent picture. We'll say more about that in a moment. Second, he compares their teaching to rotten fruit from a bad tree. If you eat it, Really bad things are going to happen. So I'm not trying to be gross today, but I, ho I hope this will help you remember. One is a violent picture. The other is a picture that involves vomit. Uh, 
How many of you have ever had food poisoning? Okay. Bless your heart. It doesn't want to stay down, if you know what I mean. And you don't want it to. But bad food, including bad fruit, is going to have a really bad effect. And so the Lord uses those two images to say, hey, I am giving you spiritual food that brings life, health, spiritually. But if you will listen to those who contradict me, it will not turn out well for you. So disciples who are travelers on the narrow road want to avoid false teachers at all costs and the serious threat that they are. Now we're going to even take time today to, re to remind us how prevalent false teachers are. We just kind of get used to things. Well, we're, we're just all kind of like sheep going down the road. There are wolves everywhere. And we have to be alert. So the title of the message this morning, The Danger of False Prophets Along the Narrow Way. The Danger of False Prophets Along the Narrow Way. Now the Lord begins this next part of his conclusion with a direct statement of the threat. All right, here's the threat, false teachers. Look at verse 17, Matthew chapter 7. Beware of false prophets. It's very direct. The word beware is a two-part Greek word. The first part means be on guard. Be watchful. The second part means pay attention to and give heed to what I'm saying about false prophets. So beware and listen to me. Don't listen to them. Right? That's all in, in that, that word. Now once a disciple is on the narrow road, he or she cannot lose their standing in Christ or get back on the broad road to destruction. However... Understand that there can be destruction on the narrow road. God will get you off the narrow road into glory, but Christians who aren't careful can face some real problems on that road. False prophets can come up alongside the narrow road and threaten the travelers. All right, so how do those on the narrow road identify the false teachers? Look on in verse 15. They come to you in sheep's clothing. So when the Lord says beware of false prophets, the word false in verse 15 comes from another important Greek word which means not to be genuine. They're counterfeits. See if you recognize this Greek word, pseudo. That's the word. They're not the genuine thing. They disguise themselves as sheep. They want to be thought of that way. And they want to try to fit in to the flock. They want people to think that they're traveling down the narrow road too. So if they're not genuine, what are they? So the Lord says. But inwardly, they are ravening wolves. Wow. What does the word ravening mean? Well, I'm going to give it to you here on the screen so that you can take a closer look. It's a Greek word used four times in the New Testament. Here in Matthew's Gospel, it's translated ravening. The other three times that it's translated, it's translated extortioners. Isn't that interesting? 
extortioners. In fact, three times, Paul will use it in writing to the Corinthians and warning them about extortioners. What's an extortioner? It means someone who obtains money, influence, some other ungodly gain through force or threats. And if they're false prophets, what are they using to obtain money, influence, and other ill-gotten gain? They're teaching. They're teaching. What they are saying is pressuring people to make decisions that are hurtful to the people, but benefit, at least in their minds, benefit them. Ravening wolves. Now, in the context, the false prophet's tool is mainly, again, their teaching. There, they are wolves. Now, let's apply this. There's only one reason a wolf ever wants to get in among the sheep. It's very simple. Sheep taste good. That's it. There's only one reason that, the, that a wolf wants to be in with the sheep. Now, I grew up on a sheep farm. I've seen what domestic dogs can do to sheep. And I've shared the illustration here before. Woke up as a child one morning on our farm, heard my dad, there was a sheriff's deputy down in our kitchen, uh, and uh, the landlord who owned the sheep, the farm that we lived on, uh, they were all down in the kitchen talking. And so I, I kind of peeked around. I want to know what was happening. And Dad said, come, come up back up to your room and look out the window. And out my bedroom window, I could look down on the pasture where the sheep were. It was fenced in. But overnight, a couple neighbor dogs got in there, and there were sheep laying all over that pasture. I don't remember how many sheep died in that, in that incident, but, but I'll never forget that. And it serves as a reminder to us that the wolves, they don't play nice. It's all about them. It's really never about the sheep. And we have to be careful. By the way, the average dog is no match for a wolf in size or ferocity. So Paul said this in Romans 16, 17, and 18. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine that you have learned. And avoid them, for they are not such, which serve, they serve not our Lord Jesus Christ. But notice what he says, they serve their what? Belly. What does a wolf do? He serves his belly. And by good words and their fair speeches, they deceive the hearts of the simple. So obviously, one of the applications of this text is don't be simple when it comes to doctrine and theology. Know your Bible so you can spot the wolf. The Holy Spirit through Peter also warned about the appetite of false prophets, 2 Peter 2.3. And through covetousness shall they with, de, with feigned or deceitful words make merchandise of you. And what's their end? Whose judgment now, for a, uh, now of a long time, for a long time, lingers not. In other words, God has prepared a place. He is judging them. And when they leave this life, what he has prepared for them is ready, and their damnation slumbers. And the idea there again doesn't slumber, it's waiting. So again, Paul warns the Ephesian elders, Acts 20, 29, about grievous wolves who would enter in among the flock. But then in the next verse, 
Paul warns the flock and warns the elders, and, and even out of some of you will come these wolves. So that is very sobering, and as your pastor, we have a wonderful pastoral staff here, but it, it makes us all step back, not only the danger of wolves, or, but about the danger of becoming a wolf. So this is the threat. This is who false teachers are. And they're everywhere. Trying to mix in with the flock. The false prophet is to the church what the wolf is to a flock of sheep. But they aren't easily identified. So take a look at this picture. Got to look close, don't you? They're not easily identified. All the rest of them look tame and nice, and one's real ugly, okay? He's right in the middle. So the Lord says, look at the fruit they produce. They can smile. They can quote Bible verses. They can try to seem spiritual, but look at the fruit. And so here's the fruit. It's their faults teaching, their false teaching. Now, the Lord doesn't emphasize here their false living. If, if you take a close look and really examine their lives, if you deny the Lord Jesus, you don't have a transformed life. And, and that, but that's, that's easily hidden for at least a while. So, the fruit. Look at verse 16 now. Ye shall know them. That word know, and again, if you have knowledge of the original languages, it's epikinosko, it means to know intimately, it means to have exact and full knowledge of where the disguise uh, is and, and causing the disguise not to work at all. Okay? You, you will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes, okay? literally is what it's saying, or figs from thistles? The answer is obvious, right? Fruit, good fruit, doesn't grow on worthless plants. If you want grapes or a nice apple, don't go out to a pasture and look for a thorn bush. You're not going to find it there. On the farm where we grew food, we had animals, we, had, we grew food as well. Thorns and thistles were worthless, but they were also painful enemies both to other plants and to workers. They were no good for anything. Now note this, since Jesus is talking about false prophet, the fruit has to be, again, what they say, the fruit of their lips, what they teach, and what they want their listeners to take in. The Lord appeals to what his listeners know to be true of nature, that to be true as well of false teachers. Look at verse 17 now. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good what? Fruit. Good trees, good fruit. It's important that we pause to examine now in this verse the two words good. Again, take a look at chapter 7 and verse 17. So every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a good but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. 
there, that word good is used two times in the verse. But it's important to stop and look at what are those words. Do you know that they're not the same word? The Lord is not just repeating himself. So what is he trying to get us to see here? Well, when he uses the word good the first time, it's the word agathos. It means good in character, quality, good in makeup. Intrinsically good. So every good tree, what is intrinsically whole, in quality, in character, it brings forth, and here's your second word, good or kalos. And that means it brings forth good benefits to the partaker of the fruit. Good tree can only produce good fruit. When I take in the good fruit, it produces good benefit. So if the source is good in its character, makeup, then its fruit will be beneficial. By the way, I love the fact that when the Holy Spirit moves into a believer, what's the scripture say? The fruit of the Spirit is. He makes us good. He transforms us. The men sang about that a little bit earlier. He transforms us, and what is the fruit that he produces? It's fruit that is of benefit to the person and then to those who benefit from the fruit of the Spirit through a believer. But by way of contrast, second half of verse 17, a corrupt. That's the word for rotten, worthless. That which is worthless in character and makeup. A worthless, corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. It's fruit that causes pain and sorrow. Bad fruit, take it in, it's going to make you really sick. And by the way, bad food, bad fruit can be deadly. So naturally, a bad tree can't bring forth good fruit. And spiritually, this can't happen either. If someone is dead spiritually, if they don't have Christ in and they're not yielded to Christ, their, their character and quality, they can put on a facade. But remember what Jesus said, you can be white on the outside and be full of dead men's bones. That's, again, the whole idea. And so we read in verse 18, a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. It's impossible. Now, as hard as they pretend, false prophets are rotten and worthless in their makeup without Christ. And their fruit will only cause pain and sorrow to believers who eat the teaching that they are serving up. Again, like the effects of rotten fruit. False prophets come in both male and female versions. This isn't just a male problem. They follow, or they want to look like sheep. They follow the flock. They try to sound like compassionate Christians. In fact, I'm going to mention one a little bit. He smiles all the time. I, I've never seen him without a smile. He just cares a lot. Those who follow their teaching have the wounds to prove it. And so what does, what does a good shepherd do? And Jesus is the good shepherd. He Literally in the original, he is the shepherd, the good one. How is he the good one? Because he gave his life for the sheep. 
And then he calls others to be under shepherds to help guard the flock. And those who run and, and, and pull away from the protection of the flock, the feeding, the guarding, he calls, he doesn't have nice words for them either. They're hirelings. So do we have any false prophets today? By the way, a synonymous term as we study the Lord's teaching is they're also antichrist. They are teaching what is anti-Christ. So who would this group include? And I don't mean to offend anyone today. But if I name a name, you have to dig below the surface, get past the facade. What are they teaching? And I'd have to submit to you today, every pope in Rome is a false prophet. Jesse Duplantis, Todd Kuntz, Catherine Kuhlman, there's an older name, Benny Hinn. By the way, ironically, you can go on Facebook and Benny Hinn will tell you how to recognize a false prophet. So a wolf telling you how to pick out wolves. Joel Olstein, he's the smiling guy I was talking about. Harold Camping, he's in eternity. I don't know where he's at in eternity. But he liked to pick dates, and boy, was he wrong again. I could go on and on. There are the cult leaders, past and present, who have deceived with false teaching, and by the way, made millions of dollars doing it. You can go online, though, and here's, here's to me, the saddest part. Not only do they offend the Lord, that's the worst part, but the saddest part is you can read the sad testimonials of those, and as you read the testimony, some of them may actually be true believers, I mean, just with what they say. But believers who are devastated in their personal faith, their families, in some cases marriages, failed. They were devastated in their finances because they listened to false prophets. You're having job trouble, we'll send us this much money, and God's just going to give you a great job, and you're, you're going to have more money you know what to do with. It's not in the Bible. Now here's the end of those rotten, worthless trees. Verse 19, every tree that bringeth forth, uh, bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. This is the only value on earth if you've got a wood stove. I like sitting around a campfire, and I've, I've watched a whole lot of dead, rotten trees go up in that campfire. So if there's any benefit, that's it. But that's not what God's talking about. They have no eternal value. Their judgment in hellfire is assured, which takes us back to the reality that they have been on the broad road to destruction all along. And so verse 20, wherefore? Now here's the final application based on the preceding truth. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them, and be protected from their extortion, and from eating what they produce. 
which will only result in your own pain and sorrow. By their fruits, you shall know them. Uh, let, me, let me just encourage you with this too. Not only do we have the word of God, which is the light, and it sheds light on darkness, but you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, who is the paraclete, the one who comes alongside to lead you into truth. I don't know how many times I've talked to Christians and they said, Pastor, I heard this, I read this. And something inside me said, uh-uh, no, no, no. And then they went to the Word of God and sure enough, here's what they were reading or hearing. Here's what God said. Well, who rang their bell? Holy Spirit. He bears witness to the truth and he exposes the spirit of error. Why? Because you'll know the truth that will make you free. The truth gives life. Darkness is perpetrated by falsehood. In fact, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. All right. So be careful. Let's close. This is the danger of false prophets along the narrow way. The Apostle John, who loved the Savior, we know from the New Testament, more than any other disciple, said this in 1 John 4, 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. So what he does is he takes this, these false teachers who are along the narrow road trying to get us to eat their, their food. And he says, realize that that isn't just motivated, energized by self, the flesh. But there's satanic power behind it. There's demonic power behind it. Try the spirits to see whether they're of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Now what a tragedy when citizens of the kingdom are hurt and discouraged because they aren't listening biblically. They're not fruit testers. And they can't tell when a sheep is really a wolf. Let's be discerning. Let's walk with God. Let me just encourage you to press on the narrow way. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you as you stood on that hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee that you declared truths that would guide kingdom citizens along the narrow way and protect them as your sheep. Thank you that you lead us to green pastures where there's good food, it's healthy, still waters, that you guide us. But Lord, our flesh still wants to tempt us to follow voices. Lord, to give in to intellectualism, popular uh, people, personalities in the news or in uh, those who claim to even be Christians. So, Lord, would you protect us and help us? Father, I believe if Christians would spend as much time in your word as they spend on the Internet, 
we would be so much better off. Lord, help us to let you be our teacher and then only listen to voices that love you and agree with you. We pray for your protection now in Jesus' name. Amen. Toward the hope of our high calling, toward the promise we've received. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God, or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.